Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Discipleship Conversations. I'm Jeremy Hoover here with my co-host Stephen Carazel. Stephen, how's it going for you today? Doing good, Jeremy. It's good to be back. Yeah, I think it's really good to be back. I'm enjoying the conversations that we've had to this point, and I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to have here with Sherelle Russell. She is the pastor for New Heritage Church, which is in the DFW area, just northeast of Dallas a little bit. This was a really good conversation that we had. Uh, Stephen, as we anticipate it coming up in a couple of minutes here, what was one of your takeaways from talking with Sherelle? Well, I was really impressed with the way she talked about communal discipleship, being on mission together with the, the church community. I think that's what kind of draws, drew us to her and uh, things that she's interested in uh, with ministry, the way she does ministry. And that is not just individual discipleship, but a church on mission together. She'll use the term missional a lot, uh, thinking about how their church engages with one another as a community and in as a community itself and within the community. And I, I really like that. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I told you afterwards that it left me with about 15 or 20 questions that I'd love to ask in a follow-up conversation. I was personally captivated by the discussions that she had about storytelling and listening and the importance of being able to gather a church's collective stories and then filter them and reflect them back to the church as a way of helping the church understand who it is, where it's been, and what those stories say about what God is leading them into for the future. I think she had some really good insight on that as well. It's just, as we both of us have said, just a really good conversation. So let's go ahead and just jump into it. Hello, friends. Hey, we're here with uh, Sherelle Russell, and we are excited to talk to her about uh, about her ministry, about her interests, about what uh, she's doing with uh, her church family, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things. Uh, Sherelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, just kind of just to start out, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, just a little quick bio. Sure. So I grew up and was Catholic growing up and went when I was 18 to my mom, who is very devout um, Catholic, and said I she already knew that I was looking for other avenues to talk about spirituality and religion and said, I don't think I want to do um, this anymore. And she was amazing and blessed me to go out and find my faith. And so I ended up going to a Christ church in college that led me to a church of Christ later in college. 
And I had my first ministry job while I was in college at the University Church of Christ in New Mexico as a youth intern. It was a summer internship that turned into three years of getting to be an intern year round. And that is where I really developed a love for ministry and church work. And so I met my husband, Tim, there. We've been married for almost 24 years now. We've got three kids, but we uh, were there for a while. Then we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico and lived there for a while. While we were there, we did a master's program with Pepperdine University, and we took an urban ministry class that God used to change our life. And that became something that was very um, important to Tim and I. And then we ended up in Portland, Oregon, and went to a church called Pump in Northeast Portland, which was probably one of the most formative places that we've lived in terms of what it means to be a missional community and missional people. And we also lived in Ireland for two years. And while we were in Ireland, we went to a Presbyterian church and also the local Catholic church. And now we live in McKinney, Texas, and I'm the pastor at New Heritage Fellowship. And it's a community church, a kind of small church out here north of Dallas. Very amazing group to be with. But I, I, although I've done a lot of different ministry positions over my life, most of the time they've been um, volunteer. And so this is the first paid full-time ministry position I've had. And of course, um, the first time that I've had a lead pastorship. That's quite a journey. I uh, appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, it's a lot of uh, church diversity mm-hmm. in that. Uh, uh, location, geographical diversity. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sort of that, I'm sure that has given you a lot of varying experiences uh, to kind of evaluate a current experience. Yeah, I feel like we've kind of, I, what I've loved about it for our family is we I think we've developed this expectation that we're that God is always up to something everywhere. And so wherever we've landed, we've felt like, okay, we know God is going to be up some, to something here. Let's try to figure out what that is and be part of it. And so that's been a great blessing of, even though we feel like terrible parents for having moved our kids so many times, our oldest went to, um, oh, geez, I think she went to three high schools in four years for, of high school. And so, but those experiences that we've had with God and with people that we've met have been, um, have made us feel less like terrible parents. Well, that's good (laughs) because, yeah, moving kids is a hard thing, but uh, I guess sometimes they get used to it. What, how long have you been at New Heritage? This is my, I've been there three years. So this is, I'm now going into my fourth year. Okay. So you're also, as we've talked before you are in the middle or towards the end of a doctorate of ministry program. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. I had, I went to Pepperdine and my husband, Tim and I got to do that together, which was great. And then I actually got my missional leadership degree from Rochester college. And that degree has been huge. I've, I learned a lot of very concrete practices that have helped me in this first time pastorship during a pandemic. 
And then um, now I'm at Lipscomb and working on my final project. And when will you be finished with that? I'm hoping to graduate in December. Okay. What can you say something about that project? I am hoping to do the project on what it's been like for our little church to have a female pastor. I'm the first female pastor that any of us have had, um, that anyone at our church has had. And so I am, I think it's been a really great experience for all of us and that we've got a, we've been able to get a glimpse of what God is, God's preferred and promised future for us is working together. And so that's what I'm going to be researching. That's, uh, I think that's a very valuable project and. I, I think just part of the conversation that we're having here is a little bit of how that's how that's gone. And, uh, and so we're looking forward to get into this conversation a little bit more. Yeah, I um, I've really enjoyed reading through the paper that you shared with us and the storytelling uh, aspect that you that you're making central to that. So I think my first question for you will be right in that in that vein, but you mentioned the urban ministry class that you and your husband took together mm -hmm. and how formative it was for you guys. Right. Could you share maybe like what were some of the highlights that came out of that and how had, how did that class help shape your experience going forward? And maybe we're even to, to the point where you are now. Yeah, that's, that's a really great, a great question because the experiences from that class really have, um, been a thread that has followed us since then. The most important part about that to me is that our professor, who was Dan Rodriguez, he took us out of the classroom and we went to places in Albuquerque where there were ministries happening that were very new to most of us. We were part of a more suburban church. We drove 30 minutes to get to church on Sunday and go and you know show up and, and we did things in the church and then we went home. And what Dr. Rodriguez had us do was in the morning for class, we would go out to places in Albuquerque and see these ama amazing ministries that were happening in, um, especially in places where there were people who had been marginalized and we got to go and explore them and ask questions of their ministers and of the, their ministry partners, the people who attended those places. And it was very formational. It was very convicting for all of us and, and for Tim and I. And we just sat in our car one Saturday after going through one of those experiences where we walked through a neighborhood in, in Albuquerque, which at that time was called the war zone. And we had met this amazing family that was living there. And we just said, like, what don't we understand about the gospel that these people understand? And that was a question that we just wanted to dive into with our family. And so that is what we ended up praying about that. And that's how we ended up in Portland, Oregon. So I was definitely getting out of the building and out into the community and seeing what God was up to. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I think, you, you know, I think conventionally when we think about a pastor as a storyteller, we, we still think about the pastor as somebody in the privileged role 
who's sharing stories out of her or his learning to the group. But a lot of what you're sharing is that to be a good storyteller, you have to start with listening. Right. And you have to be able to go out and listen to the folks. And and some of the storytelling that comes out of that is simply reflecting back to them what you've heard. Right. And I, I, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if now would be a good time to maybe share a little bit of, of your, uh, your theology of storytelling and listening, if, if, uh, if that would be appropriate. Sure. Yes. I think you're exactly right that what I love about the storytelling aspect of what we're doing is it really is about being a learner and a listener, being in a community, and and being eager to hear the stories of others, and then to get together. Like when we come together for worship gathering, we really want to get to a place where that is where we are sharing these stories, because we believe that when we get to talk about what's hap- what God is doing in people's lives and in the community, that that is really going to build up our faith. And so, for us, we like to get together and we do a dwelling in the um, word, which you saw in my paper, which is a practice that we love. But every now and again, we shift it to dwelling in the world. And we ask people to share stories from the week as they engage people out in the community. Tell us about someone you met that was a person of peace or tell us about um, a moment that surprised you when you met someone. And those stories are are incredibly encouraging for us um, because it just is a reminder that God is out in the world and doing things. And also because it, it does make it to where the storyteller isn't the primary focus of attention that one, it's God because we're looking for the things that God is doing, but two, it's the other. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the storyteller isn't so much telling stories that come out of her or his experience as pointing at this is this is what God is showing us or doing or what we're re- reflecting on about God in all of what we're sharing. Right. Yeah. That's right. We are we are I really like in Luke 10, where it says that Jesus sent out the 72 to all the places that he himself intended to go. And so we really believe that God is where we're going to go. And so for us, church and is we want it to be about knowing that and then developing the eyes and the ears to be able to see where where God is. And then because we believe that people are so important to God, we also trust that that's where we're going to encounter God is among people. And so that's really what we're trying to do is just make connections. and, um, And when we make connections with other people, we also have noticed this theme that keeps happening is where we also connect with God. So let me ask uh, a question that maybe Mm -hmm. goes a little bit backward uh, and that as far as in time, uh, because just kind of what brought you there, because storytelling is how 
you seem to be operating right now. And so I was captured by just kind of one of the opening paragraphs of your paper uh, saying this, that New Heritage Fellowship self-identifies as a welcoming community with missional impulses. Over the last year, I have discovered that both of these descriptions of the church here indeed are accurate. New Heritage Fellowship is very welcoming, has a deep passion for service and missional engagement. The leaders at uh, NHF stated that from the beginning of the hiring process that they were not looking for a preacher, but a spiritual and missional leader to help guide them out of a period of transition into a new future and missional identity. <laughs> so you've used the word missional to describe uh, the impulses of the church, the way the church wants to engage in the community, the kind of leader it's, it was seeking, and the kind of identity it desires. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, in a real compact, uh, just a few sentences. So what do you mean by missional in, as you use it to describe those words? And, uh, well, I'll stop right there and let you answer that one. Yeah, I think pretty much what I described with Luke 10, that God is out there in the world, in our, in our communities, and that when we as a people that um, follow God go out into the community, that that is where we're going to find our identity and where we're going to find God. And our church, about their reorientation, it's a very loving group of people that love stories they love and they love service and being involved and doing things for others. And so those impulses were already there. Um, but I think what we need often are the practices that actually help us to do that. And then those practices bring those stories to light and all of that comes together to help us in our formation or identity or discipleship. So what, what made you a fit for that role? I think that all of the experiences that we've had as a family, like all of those different moves into locations where we've, um, well, I guess I'll just be very honest and say that we had to unlearn a lot of things in that process too, because when we first became interested in missional living, it was super, um, one directional. It was, you know, we have all the answers as the Christians and we're going to come in and help make this community better and do what this community needs, which was actually not a good thing. And what, what a corrected missional theology has helped me to do is to, to make it more mutual and where it's about understanding that we need each other. Like we need the world as much as the world may need us. And yeah, so that's been a huge, a huge part of that change. And then going into all of those places and learning to be a listener and learning to hear what our neighbors think and, and what our neighbors actually need and learning to be a partner instead of somebody who feels like they have all the answers to bring to the table. I think learning to be a partner has been huge. And so that's also helped me to be able to partner with our church starting out there. And then my degree in missional leadership from Rochester has been incredibly helpful because it, 
it was a very practical degree in terms of ministry and and those kind of practices and okay what does it actually look like to um, initiate um, and sustain a culture change within a, a community or or a church and so that's been really helpful that's really good uh, I like the unlearning bit that you've uh, kind of recalled as you go through those experiences did the church have uh, go through some kind of process about uh, having the, I mean using the language of of having a mutual uh, a missional identity or is that something you brought in with your training I think that that's there was um some of that was there already we've got a lot of folks who have like really love NT right and have been thinking about like new creation theology and things like that and so it was a good fit but also we're developing a new um, language together as we go along and as we dwell in passages and and try to really get deep into relationships within our community new languages emerging as we go along and so i think that's one of the cool things about about missional community is that you kind of develop your a new lexicon or a, a new vocabulary as you're going along together and sometimes i when i hear people from our church saying something uh, and I hear these words that are said over and over again. I think that's a pretty cool development. So is one of those words, did you, do you use the word disciple or discipleship at all in, in that? Not really very much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, we talk mostly, the language that we would use is, is um, following Jesus or being Christ-like. That is more of the language that we use. And I think part of the reason for that is a lot of folks at our church are healing from previous church experiences. So, you know, there's a big conversation right now happening within Christendom about church trauma and, and spiritual abuse. And, and we've got folks that have been through some things and, and for some discipleship, um, is wrapped up in there. Mm. For me, my own story with that is because I, you know, I grew up Catholic, I told you that, and I went to a campus ministry in college and discipleship, it was the 90s, right? Everything was about discipleship. And sometimes the way that it was used um, was hurtful. And the things that, that people said about discipleship in connection with my family of origin so I feel like I've got my own issues to unpack with, with discipleship and maybe reclaiming or reorienting it. Um, but when it comes to being Christ-like, I feel like that's something our church can really, um, is really interested in and, and wants to grab onto. That's good. We, we have these conversations almost every time we get on and talk about what are we gonna talk about as far as discipleship, that uh, discipleship for us, we know that it requires a lot of unpacking that uh, it, so it does contain a lot of things in that one word. Unfortunately, a lot of people have different ideas about what that brings. Right. So no one term really captures it, but just as you've stated, uh, we've said before here on the podcast that our, our basic definition of discipleship is following Jesus and uh, becoming Christ-like, developing a Christ-like character, 
Those mm-hmm. are all part of yeah. that. And so I appreciate your journey through through that. In some way, I guess we're trying to redeem the word <laughs> yeah. a bit. I mean, Jesus did have disciples. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Most of our English translations uh, lay that out that way. And so what does it mean for us to be disciple? And so mm-hmm. just, I guess one of the questions that we're really interested in is discipleship often has this individual pursuit uh, attached to it. But really, what does that look like for you and your church as a, you know, disciples come together and become a church family. And, but and so the church is acting out, following Jesus, Christ-like character together. What, mm-hmm. what are you experiencing in your church that, that, that gives some new meaning to that? I feel like we're really, um, the individual aspect of discipleship that sometimes is connected with it is what our church seems to be wanting to separate from. So like I talked about before with when we were first going in to do missional work, that it was very, you know, unidirectional one way and that the, the healthy, um, the healthy cultivation was about mutuality. And so I think that that's where our church is, is leaning is more into that mutual discipleship as mutual, as connection, as relationship. And so what that we just highly value being together and connecting. And because our church is a place where people come to heal that mutuality that listening and learning is incredibly important for us. And so the practices that we're, we engage in are very much about our, about our, their communal practices, like dwelling in the word. That's a communal practice where we're learning to be hospitable and welcoming of the other. And also where we expect for God to be working in the person that we're speaking to and, and to be able to share something Um, Our communion practice is very communal. We go to the table to receive communion together and then talk with each other and hug afterward. Even our sermon time, which we call the message, we usually have a, a part in it at the end where we say, how's this sitting with you? And people get to talk back to the text or, or respond. I typically ask questions before, during, and after a message. And so that communal aspect is is something that we value really highly in terms of our Christ-like development. And um, yeah, I really don't hear a lot of individual, um, I don't even know what word to say with that. <laughs> I, I don't hear people talking about, about their faith as an individual thing, really. It really seems for, for our members to be a communal, um, a communal thing. I noticed that Shirelle in your paper and commented to Stephen a little bit um, uh, about how <clears throat> there's not much in your paper about, you know, what we, what we typically think of when the word discipleship comes up, which is the individual spiritual growth. Uh this I'm loving this conversation and it reminds me a lot of conversations I have with a friend of mine here in Ontario that I think, you know, uh, Nathan Pickard. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I've said to Nathan, every, like we share lessons and stuff back and forth. I said, Nathan, everything you write is about the church. It's about the community. And it's not individual. And I love what you said about discipleship because what you said, like what you tied in with that is that we have to, we have to listen to people's stories and then we have to shape our language and practice according to what we're learning. Mm -hmm. And so it may be that the idea of discipleship gets worked out but doesn't use the word because mm -hmm. the word has baggage yeah. or the particular practice that may be important to some people has been used to injure others. And so we need to listen to those who have been injured right. from the practice and, and find a, a different way of talking about these same things. Um, I, I was also telling Stephen, I, I was fascinated by your description of, what you were able to do or even asked to do in your first year at new mm -hmm. heritage, because the, you know, the typical church hires a new minister based on how well that person speaks. And then they expect that the first year is going to be letting that person, you know, rip these sermons from the pulpit mm -hmm. and yeah. draw back <laughs> others who have left and attract new people. And yet, you talk about being given permission and freedom for the first year to be able to collect stories and reflect on them and then reflect them back. Right. So I, I wonder if you could just share, like, just tell us a little bit about that, um, what you learned about yourself and your role, what you learned about the church and how that practice become, became helpful for the church as a way to anchor it for the future. Yeah, that's a good question. It was a tremendous breath, breath of fresh air and relief when the shepherding team said, yes, we want you to spend your first year listening and making relationships and having coffee with people and going out to dinner with people. Because that is really, I think what um, Tim and I have become really passionate about over the years is that really everything it's relationship relationship is everything and especially if you're a leader if you don't have relationships with people and you don't have trust it's really difficult to get things done in a way that you get to do them with people and so i got to just spend time with our membership and learning about what our church values and what things from the church's past caused trauma and hurt and what the things were to celebrate. And that first year really gave me the opportunity to find the usable future in our past, you know, what in, in our present, what's the usable future. And that was incredible because the very next year COVID hit and everything changed and we became a hundred percent zoom church and we did everything on zoom. And I, I know, I feel very confident that getting to spend that first year in relationship building and listening and knowing what the strengths were made it possible for us to make that transition. And it was really an incredibly smooth transition considering 
And I think that had to do with relationships and it had to do with trust and it had to do with being able to narrate and storytell. This is something we can do because of this, um, because of this background and these strengths that we have. And so I learned in that process how flexible our church is. So I knew we were going to be able to do that, that people were very open to trying new things. Uh, I learned how creative our church is in that first year. I got to see how many people were musically gifted or great artists or, or, or who had wanted to maybe preach a sermon and hadn't done so before. So many great things were gleaned in that first year that made it possible for us to have a great Zoom church experience for the next like 15 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that process just continues. It's a continual process of reflecting on what's happening and then articulating that back to one another through storytelling. And so now, you know, we got back together after being a Zoom church. We are now doing a fusion service. So part of us are in the room and part of us are on Zoom, broadcast up in front and in the back. And that was also a very good transition. And now we're in the process of relocating our church to a different uh, part of the community. And all of that, I think, has is possible because of the relational work that was done in the first year. Yeah, that's... Um... Your, your description of that reminds me of the many of the Old Testament prayers or the prophetic tradition and the way that they rely on uh, the history of Israel to drive the mm. future forward or the, to drive the present into the future. You remember the past. Yeah. And of course, many of those texts have a liturgical function to them, too. And it's just uh, it's just tremendous to hear you sharing about this and to think about the church deciding in the middle of COVID uh, to undertake a, a relocation. Mm-hmm. Can you share more about uh, the thinking that was behind that and maybe what, what the hopes are for that relocation? So from the very beginning, our shepherding team and hiring team was very clear that this church loved to serve and to partner and wanted to be out in the community, that they love people. And so we just have been looking for opportunities to get to do that the past three years. It was a little more challenging during COVID because the partnerships that we had established, like one was at a nursing home, we couldn't go there during COVID. And so we've had to be creative in finding those partnerships. But now that things have opened back up again, we're finding these great new partnerships. And it's really called us to want to be in the community more. Right now where our church is located, we meet in a, in a Seventh-day Adventist church. They use it on Saturdays, so we use it on Sundays. And it's kind of off of the beaten path that's out of the way a bit. And so we really want to be around people more and out in the community. And so we found a, a new location. The way it all worked out was it felt very spirit-led. And so we've visited a few different places and have gone through this discernment process together and just decided it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we're going to try this new location in this. It's a storefront in a very busy um, shopping area with restaurants and 
And so we're excited to see what God will do and working really hard to not be like plan everything, but to really trust that what we've seen God do through the last three years, God's going to continue to do and give us opportunities to be see God at work and through people and to get to partner with God and, and make connections with God and others. Hmm. The move uh, from one place to another, was that precipitated by uh, just like just conversation or how would you say that move was precipitated? I think it's always been there for many people. So a new heritage's DNA is non-traditional setting. So like they first met in homes and then they met at a hotel and then they were at a warehouse and then things happened and they had to find a place and they ended up in a more traditional setting in the church. And so I think there's just always been people who've been there from the start who who have felt drawn to being a church in a non-traditional setting. And so that has always just been in the water. And then once we started doing these partnerships and seeing how life-giving it is to to partner with others um, in reconciliatory or reconciliatory work and it's life-giving and so it just causes us and has caused us to want to be out in the community more and around people more like that we want to be a church that's where that's where the people are and so that's where that's how it all started and that seems to be where it's going. That's uh interesting. It sounds like a, a kind of a cool journey to understand yourself. I know locations kind of define us and to have de- developed an identity based on our location uh, can be constricting, can define, can limit what people can do. And so being a bit of a church on a, on the move, uh, it doesn't lock you into one thing, but maybe has you always looking forward to where, where God is leading you. Yeah. Not right. just, not just in some metaphorical way of thinking about things, but actually where is God, uh, moving you? What direction, what, uh, physical direction, what new location is he trying to yeah. plant you in? Right. And we ask that question. That's one of our practices that we ask a lot is what might God be up to? And we, you know, even in, in this process of relocating, we've asked that a lot. every time we've got together to have a communal discernment um, gathering about this process, we say, what might God be up to? What, what have you seen that you think, well, God might be up to something with that. And so even just that expectation, again, that God is up to something uh, wherever we're going to go, a lot of really great discussion comes out of that. And um, it's it's really fun and life-giving to get to sit around and talk about what we think God is doing. And it's really fun when, when for so long, like I know us personally, I think that Tim and I, my husband, we had looked at God as sort of just, you know, God is, God is somewhere just kind of observing. And this, 
what missional living and missional theology, what God has used it to do for us is to really reveal that God is active and God is busy and working and, and that what we get to do as a church is participate in that work. Yeah, that's, this is just fascinating, Sherelle, to hear you share this and, and to think about it. And I'd like to go back to the dwelling in the word that you guys do at, uh, at your church because it seems like both in your paper and then to hear you talk about today, that it really is a central component to understanding who you are and what it is that you believe you're hearing from God. Can you just explain maybe how that practice came to be introduced to the church? Uh, Sounds like maybe it's open to anybody's able to lead it. It's more central than any kind of preaching would be. And then how, like what kind of fruit, has come out of that for your church? Yeah, so uh, dwelling in the word is my favorite spiritual practice. And we were first introduced to it at the church we were going to in Portland, Oregon. Our church there went through a a process called Partnership for a Missional Church. And we met with other churches from all around Oregon and Washington and Idaho. And it was a practice that we were introduced to where we read a text of scripture Every time we get together and then you pair off with someone, a listening partner, and you share what you heard. And then when we get back to the larger group, you don't share what you heard. You share what your partner heard. So you really have to listen. And so it's really a listening practice. It's not a get this Bible scripture um, hermeneutic right. (laughs) (laughs) it's about listening and it's about making space for the other. And so in Portland, we actually stayed in the same scripture for an entire year. And so it truly became a lens that we had on that we could use to see the world. And here at New Heritage, we we stay in the same passage two to three months. And sometimes more if people are like, we're not ready to be done with that passage yet. But it has really helped us. We think listening is really important and that sometimes people aren't very good listeners and that especially sometimes Christians aren't very good listeners. And so once again, it's about that mutuality and giving and taking from one another or giving and receiving from one another. And so it's been incredible on several fronts. One is being a better listener, becoming a better listener to just seeing how many layers there are in scripture and how many different things we can get out of it and all the different perspectives that are brought forward when we do that. Like it's amazing to do dwelling with people that are new to to church or new to the faith or um, who have different backgrounds than we do. We learn, we, we just learn so much from getting to listen to one another and um, yeah, it's been really formational for our family and for the churches that we've been part of. And I know I'm going on and on, but we also developed a children's curriculum based on dwelling in the word. And so the kids stay in the same text for a month and they share, what did you hear? That's the central question is, and then the kids get to talk about what they heard in the text. And so, yeah, we, we love it. That's tremendous. I, I really appreciate you sharing all that. Thank you. We, and, and you're right. Anyone can lead it. It's super simple. 
And the other thing that I've loved about that is we have people that have never done anything or spoken up front in church before. And so it's a practice that is not as intimidating because you can just go up and read the dirt, the script on the you know piece of paper with the text. And, and so it's another way for people to enter into being part of the, of leading the community and something that's actually really important for us. Sherelle, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate just all the things you've shared, the perspective uh, of a different kind of church experience. I think, uh, although you're not technically a church plant, uh, you're doing things differently. And I think this is a great season for churches to consider uh, how they're doing things maybe differently than in the past um, and how they look uh, compared to traditional settings. And, and I know that not every church, every experience is, is right for every church, but there are churches out there looking for other things to do, whether it's in the, as a whole or even practices for a, a, a small group within a church or a, a Bible class within a church. Uh, there's some really good ideas that you've uh, planted here for uh, for people to think about. Uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you, uh, how would they how would they do that? Yeah, so we're our, our church is on Facebook, New Heritage, and also our website is newheritagefamily.com. Let me make sure that I have that. Oh, yep, newheritagefamily.com. And my contact info is there. Very good. Uh, we've been talking with Sherelle Russell, who's a pastor at New Heritage Fellowship. And we are we just really enjoyed this. So thanks for taking time today, Sherelle. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.